0: We're going to talk about uh, why true believers can rejoice. Why true believers can rejoice. Now, there's a lot of reasons, hundreds of reasons that we could look at in the Word of God to find that we can rejoice. Uh, But we're going to look at just Romans 5, 1 through 5. And we're going to look at this context about rejoicing in our salvation. And look at some of that that's in this chapter so we're going to begin to read in verse one am i kind of in a drum here to sound kind of different verse one says this therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ through whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory of god not only that but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. So again, we're going to talk about why true believers can rejoice. So if, you ca- if you've come this morning... And you're a little bit moody. How many here are, you're just, I mean, just gonna be honest, you're just gonna be candid. How many say, uh, Brother Tim, I'm a little bit moody today? Raise your hand. <laughs> the husbands are lifting their wives' hand this morning. I'm not sure you'll get points on that, but amen. Um, so if you come with a little bit moody, I want you to just take your circumstances. And your situations and the people that may be causing you to be moody. And I want you to just set that aside and I want you to begin to focus on these things that we're going to talk about because these things we're going to talk about should, when you really realize the truth and grasp it, it's going to cause you to leap for joy. All right? So, the first thing we're going to look at three things. First of all, we're going to look at uh, the reason, of course, why we can rejoice, and that is our position as believers. Our position as believers. Again, in verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith. Justified. Now, that is a term that is fantastic for us that are believers. So, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, in verse 1, it says, You are justified. That word just means simply, You're just as if you had never sinned. God reckons, He counts. He judges, He treats you as if you were righteous. Now, we all know that we're sinners, amen? We all know that we're sinners, and uh, we make mistakes. So we have to ask the question, how is it possible, if we know we're sinners, that God looks down and sees us as righteous? It's because those people who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ, they literally have all their sins paid for when jesus christ died on the cross he said it is finished and the bible says that god so loved who the world world. not just some of the world but all the world and he gave his son to die for the sins of the world in first john chapter 2 verse 2 it says that he not only died for our sins but for the sins of the entire world so how can we be justified because listen very carefully when we reached out and received Jesus Christ as our Savior, He took our sins, paid them in full, and gave us His righteousness. Look at this verse here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 with me. Look at this. When I was talking about the Lord. And He had made Him who knew no sin, Jesus, that's the only person that has never known sin, uh, to be sinned for us, now notice that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So God literally put our sins on Jesus Christ on the cross and He paid Him in the full and then He gave us, when we trusted in Jesus Christ, He gave us His righteousness. So we're standing in the sight of God as righteous. So there's no reason for you and I to be hanging our head in shame. There's no reason for you and I to be hanging our head with guilt because the reality in the eyes of the father is that he sees you as justified. Now let me illustrate that. Let's say there's a man who has committed a murder. He's on trial for murder. The prosecution knows he's guilty. The defendant knows he's guilty. The judge knows he's guilty but the jury declares him innocent therefore everybody has to treat that person as if he is innocent even though everyone in the courtroom knows he's guilty because the jury decided he was innocent everybody has to accept that verdict when you and i stand before the lord one day when i stand before the lord i know i'm guilty the devil knows I'm guilty. My wife knows I'm guilty. But Jesus Christ has declared me justified. So it doesn't matter what everybody else sees. God sees me as the righteousness of His Son. No sense in me running around with my head hanging low because I'm not as good as so, such, and such and such and such and all this stuff. I literally, in the eyes of God, I am pure and his son, because he gave me his righteousness. Now, that's those of us who have trusted Jesus Christ. That's ours, okay? The second thing I want you to look at is the possession, our possessions. In other words, there are some benefits of being justified. Let me give you three of them, all right? Number one, acceptance. You and I are accepted into the family of God. We are accepted just as we are. Paul names these benefits, and the first thing he brings out in verse 1 he says, Look what it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, now notice this term, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no more hostility between me and God when I've trusted Christ. All that hostility is gone. Now God literally accepts me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18. Let's read this together. No verse? Okay. It says, "He who hath reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ has also given us the ministry of reconciliation." So we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Now listen very carefully. Because I've trusted in Jesus Christ, I'm declared righteous and the benefit of that is i'm reconciled with the father the father and i are brought back no more is there anything between me and the father it's gone do you have ephesians 1 6 all right look at this verse to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he hath made us what accepted jesus christ has made ex- accepted to the father Okay, so let's, let's follow this through. So, because I'm justified, I'm now accepted with the Father. And because I'm accepted, now listen very carefully, I have access to the Father. I have access. When I trusted Jesus Christ, he, the Father gave me the righteousness of Christ, paid for my sins, and then He, he accepted me into His family, and then He has given me anytime I want access into his presence. Now, now let's think about that for a moment. How many of you, if you want to, if you wanted to, could run up to the president and just talk to the president? Doesn't matter which president, whichever president was your favorite, all right? Doesn't matter which one it was, all right? So, so, uh, uh, none of us have that access to him, but But we can literally, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, because we're righteous, because we're accepted, at any moment we can just say, Father, and it's like, beam me up, Scotty. You're standing there face to face with the God of the universe. That's what we have. That should be enough for you. So no matter what problems you have, no matter what struggles you have, now, people are bothering you. You can literally say, "Father," and you're standing right there with him, and you're communicating. And guess what? Hebrews four fifteen. Let's look at that verse. We're righteous. We have been accepted. Now we have this access. Now I want you to see how he treats us when we're standing face to face with him. Okay, this is what it says. Now, again, the word of God tells us the picture. I'm righteous. I'm accepted, and I have this wonderful access. How does he treat me now that I'm standing before him? For we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weakness. Okay? Turn around to positive. We have a high priest that sympathizes, empathizes with our problems. When we come to the Father and we blurt out the burdens, we give him and talk to him specifically about the problems of the areas, he... Sympathizes. See, if, I mean, isn't it, 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 isn't it nice to have somebody you can talk to? I mean, seriously talk to that understands what you're going through. Because a lot of times even your spouse doesn't. Your best friend doesn't. But God does. Why? Because He's been tempted in every area we have yet without sin. That's fantastic. So we have, as Christians... We have this great joy. Here's the problem. We don't focus on this. We focus on those little problems, and we make them bigger than our God and these wonderful truths. See, we could take these problems we have, and we can bring them straight to the throne, and he emphasizes, He he understands, and his heart is heavy for us, but we don't see that. And we can talk to him about that. And we can literally lay them down and walk away but we don't can't hear an amen we carry them all the time and we don't have to the bible says casting all your care upon him for he cares for you so we have all these wonderful truths that we can rejoice in third thing we can rejoice in third benefit is assurance let's go back to our context uh, romans chapter five look at verse three well, we're still in verse 2. Through whom we also have access by faith into the grace. Now, notice this. Is, in which we stand, rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Assurance. So we have access, or we have acceptance, we have access, and we have this assurance. So these are the benefits of being justified, righteous, declared righteous, only to those that have trusted Jesus Christ, only to those that have been born in the family of God. That's it. Okay, but this is what we get. We have this assurance of salvation. wherein we stand. The word "stand here" means a, a, a permanent it's, a, it's being fixed, firmly fixed, unmovable. And we have all kinds of verses to back that up. So in other words, once we are in the family of God, we have this righteousness. we didn't save ourselves. He saved us by paying for our sins, giving us his righteousness. Okay, and bringing us into the family of God and now all of a sudden we have this assurance that he will never leave us nor forsake us how many of us actually focus on those and and they are a great cause of rejoice according to Paul in these five verses great cause of rejoice rejoicing so the believer should never and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of more verses but I want to go to A couple of verses, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Verse 31 and verse 32. And I want to just read this and put this in context of your life. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, now, He's declared us righteous, He's accepted us, given us access, we have this assurance, God is for you. If he wasn't for you, he wouldn't have sent his son to die for you, okay? So, this is a rhetorical question. What do we say to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, this is rhetorical. You don't need an answer. It means no one. Can I hear it? Amen? Amen. Okay, look at the next verse. Verse 32. He who also, or he who, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Okay, just... What I said, the first part, okay, is that Jesus Christ, God gave us his best, and that was his son, that we might have this intimate relationship. Let's go on, verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who's God's elect? Those that trusted Christ, okay? It is God who what? Justified, that's what we've been talking about. It is God who just, you didn't justify yourself, God justified. Look at verse 34. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is rose again, who is at the right hand of the Father. Now notice this, who, who also makes intercession. So Jesus is up there doing what? He's interceding for you and for me. Now, I love it when people down here are praying for me. But Isn't it exciting? The Son of God sitting next to the Father, talking to the Father about me. Don't they get you a little excited? What are they saying? Can you, what are they saying about me? Well, according to these verses, you're righteous, right? You're accepted in the beloved. You have direct access. You can go to the Father, and you can talk, and you have this assurance that he will never leave you nor forsake you. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says this. These things that I've written unto you that you might, and that's the word of God, these things that I've written unto you that you might know, that you have eternal life. You don't have to guess whether you're saved. You can know it. Why? Because the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, I just want to split a gut up here because these truths are the foundation for the Christian life. And as long as we're thinking about them, it should excite us. But when we're meditating on our bum spouse, if you have a bum spouse, or your bum kids, or whatever you're thinking about, or your bum... Let's do it this way. Your bum job. I'm safe there. Can I hear an amen? Because none of you are going to say, man, I got a bum bum spouse. No, not in church anyway, right? Okay. So, So as long as you're focusing on that, you're missing all of this great stuff, because we fix our eyes on all the problems. We... We think life should be smooth. We don't like ripples, right? We don't like ripples, do we? How many likes problems, trials, and tribulations, and struggles? Well, the next thought, let's look at our context, go back to Romans chapter 5, and look at verse 3. And not only this or that, but we also, glory, get excited over tribulations, <laughs> knowing, there's the key word, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Okay, so the, so the last thing is, well, first of all, uh, how can we rejoice? Because of our position, we're justified, our possession, we've been accepted, we have access, we have assurance, and then now the privilege. The privilege, according to this verse, we can rejoice in tribulation. We can rejoice in trouble. Okay? Rejoicing in troubles. How do you do that? It says, look at the word. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Do you have Romans 8, 28 up there on the screen? Okay. Okay, I'm going to look at this in a minute. This is the idea, okay? This is how you and I can rejoice in troubles. When troubles come our way, as a child of God, if we understand the truth behind the trouble, let's just say Satan comes after us, the demons from hell come after us, and they're throwing everything they got at us, according to Romans 5, and according to this verse, what happens is when he throws it all at us, God literally turns it around for my good. Did you hear that? When the world throws stuff at us, Satan throws stuff at us, and everything's coming at us, understand that God begins to be active and turning that around for your good. Now, you don't believe me? Look at this verse. And we know that some things work together for good to those who love God. Everybody like that? You like that translation? We know that some things, what's it say? Let's say it together, class. Ready? All. Let's do it again. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. All. All right. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. So, so, I mean, if that don't make you shout inside, all right, I'm not sure there's much will. Because Satan, the demons from hell, and this entire world can throw things at you. And if you're saved, God turns it around, even though it's hard. It's rough. We don't like trials. We hate trial troubles. God literally turns around for our good so we can rejoice. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if we didn't have God to go to and talk to about our troubles and say, thank you, Lord, for taking my troubles and turning them around for my good and then last of all in the verse it talks about resting in god okay so we can rejoice in tribulation but we can also rest in tribulation knowing that god's got our troubles He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We can cast all of our care upon Him because He cares for us. I mean, He literally wants us to be face-to-face. We have this great access. He wants to be face-to-face and intimately talk to Him about our struggles. That's what we have as children of God. We have these wonderful promises, but we don't focus on them. We don't because when something comes our way that puts a little ripple in our nice, smooth Christian life, which that is never the case, amen, but that's what we strive for, we get upset. How, how many of you this morning had, had a fight with your spouse? Don't raise your hand. All right. Satan works really hard on Sunday morning. He does. Uh, Christensen, Jason Christensen's back. He's working in the back back there. This morning, He goes to give me a hug, but he has this large 44-ounce diet cherry Coke. He reaches around to give me a hug, and when he does it, Coke tips. So he's laying it down. He lays it down, and then it's still tipping. So he he goes, grabs it, and his hands go right through the styrofoam cup. (laughs) Drains everywhere on the ground. It wasn't my fault, but I got the look as it was my fault. (laughs) I'm kidding you. I'm kidding. All right. But you know, it just, that's the way life is. I mean, it's back there, just the whole thing. You know, those forty-four. I mean, just everywhere. Troubles. He should have looked at me and said, "Isn't God good?" <laughs> if he had said it, I'd give him a five dollar to pay for a new one. Amen. But the point is, we that are justified have all of these wonderful benefits. This is what. This is the last verse I want to give you. In, let's, let's go to the last one. What is it? Um, Psalms, Isaiah. Thank you. 26 3. Okay. He will give us perfect peace. Now listen to this. He'll give us perfect peace. Us. Whose mind is stayed on Him. When our mind is focused on Him and not our problems. Can you hear an amen? We will have perfect peace. I didn't come up with this verse. I didn't write this verse this morning and put it on screen. This is God. And God says, you focus on me and understand that you're face to face and you're talking. You can cast all your care and he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. And he loves you so much that he's accepted you just as you are. He's given you eternal life. And that everything that happens, he's going to turn around for your good. When you focus on it, you can rejoice. There's great rejoicing for you and me when we are children of the living God. That's what we can have. But all of these verses, all of this truth, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, it's specifically talking to those that are saved. You say, well, Tim, everybody's saved. Isn't it? Aren't they? This is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5. Actually, Romans, or Matthew chapter 7. It says, "Why does the gate... That leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to life. Now just that alone is tough enough, but then, then it goes on. It says, "Why does the gate that leads to destruction narrow is the gate that leads to life, and few there be that enter through the gate of life. Few that enter through the gates of life. So we have to ask ourselves, am I one of the few? We all want to be, amen. And so we have to go to scripture and say, okay, Romans second, or second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We've already looked at 18, we already looked at 21. Now we're going to look at 17. It says this: if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, all things become new. Here, here's the here's the thing. A lot of people Go to church, or they go to youth group, or they they go to camp, and and they get emotional, and 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 they go forward or something. They say this prayer. A prayer never saved anyone. It's the belief that I'm a sinner. It's the belief that if I have to pay for my own sin, I'm gonna be separated from God for eternity. But the great news is that Jesus Christ paid for my sin personally. And when I understand those three things, then I reach out in my heart and say, God, I trust in what you did on Calvary for the payment of my sin. I need you as my Savior. I trust in that blood that was shed. It's a combination, not a prayer. It's a combination of understanding these truths. The prayer is just a vehicle. Listen very carefully. The prayer is the vehicle to revealing your faith and trust in Him. And so here's here's the question as we close this morning. Are you one of the ones that enjoy justification? Are you born again? If you're not, you're here. God brought you here for such a time as this. Now, I don't know where you're at spiritually. I couldn't even f- fathom where you're at. But all I know is I was where you're at one time. Okay, years ago, this same message was given to me, the gospel message. And I, I remember just crying out, 1.30 in the morning, went home that night, and 1.30 in the morning, I, I realized the Bible says Jesus is knocking at the door. If any man open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. And, and I realized that I was a sinner. I realized I was headed for hell. I realized that Jesus paid my debt. And I began to weep and cry and ask Jesus to give to my heart. I trusted in what he did on the cross as the payment for my sin. So if you've never really done that, today's your opportunity. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. We're not going to embarrass anybody. We're just going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, please. Right where you're at. If you're not sure you're saved, don't dabble with the possibility of not. Don't do it. Your eternal destiny is at stake. If you're not sure, listen, and you want to be saved, listen. Pray this prayer and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you want to be born and God found, you want to be justified, it's simply understanding that you're a sinner, understanding that if you paid for your sin, you'd be separated forever, but also understanding Jesus literally died to pay for those sins, and then you personally reach out and receive Christ as your Savior. I'm going to pray a prayer if you'd like to be saved today, if you want to make sure you're going to heaven, if you want to be born in the family of God, listen, right there in your hearts, pray this prayer. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know if I died in my sin, I'd be separated from you forever. But thank you, Lord, that you sent your son to die for me and right now I receive Jesus Christ as my savior Lord come into my heart and save me bring me into your family today Now, I'm going to pray this morning, but just before I pray, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer this this morning, no one's looking around, just me. You prayed that prayer. Would you just lift, your, lift up your hand and say, Brother Tim, I prayed that prayer. Just lift it up high, if you would. Just, yes, thank you, thank you. Somebody else, just, just hold them up, if you will. Thank you, thank you. Keep them up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else this morning? You prayed the prayer and you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, just lift up your hand. Amen. You may put him down. Thank you. Thank you. Again, you may put him down. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning. God spoke to you. And you are fi- fixing your focus on all of these things in your life that's keeping you from having joy. It's keeping you from rejoicing in the Lord. If that's you, Just lift up your hand, because I'm going to pray here in just a minute. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Amen. Let's all stand as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning. We can't thank you enough for the Word of God. Can't thank you enough for your Holy Spirit that stirred in our hearts today and spoke to us personally. And I pray for these First of all, that, that raised their hand, that they received Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, I pray that they would begin to grow in that relationship with you. That that we would be able to meet them and give them a Bible and help them to get involved in reading and growing in their newfound relationship with you. And then, Father, I also pray for these this morning that raised their hand that they're. They're not fixed on their justification. They're not fixed on their acceptance. They're not fixed on their access. They're not fixed on their assurance. They're fixed and focused on their struggles. Not on the fact that you turn those around. But Father, they're fixed and focused only on the bad things of life. God, set them free is our prayer this morning. Help them to set their mind on good things. On all the wonderful things that you're doing in their life. And Father, we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.